Wrestling with Siblings. I'm your host, Araceli, and this is my co-host, Aranda. Hi, guys. I'm Aranda, and welcome to Wrestling with Siblings. Roll after money in the bank. How excited are you? Definitely excited, but mostly because I wanted to see what Brock Lesnar had to say after that shocking return he did at Money in the Bank last night. And this is where we find out what Brock Lesnar, or should we say Paul Heyman, his advocate, had to say. So they do open up the show, and... To keep it very, very short for you guys, because there's a lot of talking that Paul Heyman had to do. He said that the Universal Champion, Seth Rollins, and the WWE Champion, Kofi Kingston, both have to be paranoid and alert. Because Brock Lesnar can cash in at any given time, on any given champ. That is very true of what Paul Heyman said. I would be paranoid too, just knowing that the Beast could cash in at any time that he wants on his time. And it makes him even more dangerous. And now, because of the wild card rule, he can cash in on whoever he wants. He can cash in on whichever champion, whether it be Kofi Kingston or the Universal Champion, Seth Rollins. And speaking of Seth Rollins, he decides to come out, he interrupts, and he's like, you know what, I should be in a fantastic mood. My match with AJ Styles was fantastic, absolutely killed it. But no, I am not in a good mood because, as we can all tell, Brock Lesnar is the money in the bank and he goes out and issues a challenge to Brock Lesnar immediately he wasted no time he was like you know what let's do this right here right now I beat you once and I can definitely do it again and at the end of the day it was all a plan from Seth Rollins if you really think about it he is the architect he wanted Brock Lesnar to cash in right there so he could lose I'm pretty sure Seth Rollins has something up his sleeve just to get it over with Oh yeah, he definitely did not just win this to lose it in a month's time. I see Seth Rollins holding the championship maybe up until SummerSlam. Who knows, but I don't think he won it just to immediately lose it. And we do know Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar are very, very smart. And we got to see that during this segment because the voice of reason, Paul Heyman, starts to tell him, no, 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 no. He's not going to do this right now. So what happens? Kofi Kingston comes out and he also issues a challenge against Brock Lesnar. And Brock does not accept any of these challenges, but Paul Heyman does go on to say that at the end of the night, Brock Lesnar will still be here because Seth Rollins and Kofi Kingston have unfinished business tonight, the same night. So, given the fact that Brock Lesnar is going to be there for the rest of the night, that alone lets you know that in the match that Seth Rollins and Kofi Kingston are going to compete in, they're not going to be 100% because they're going to have to keep Brock Lesnar in their head whether or not he's going to cash in on them. And this has all the intentions of Paul Heyman. And it was going to be a tag team match where Seth Rollins and Kofi Kingston were going to be involved in. And like, like you said, Paul Heyman has the plan pretty much up his sleeve. He definitely does. And we never get to see... Brock Lesnar stay for the show if he's not part of the show for the main event. So he's staying, and this is brilliant because he's going to tease for as long as he can that he's going to be cashing in, and you're never going to know when he is. Yeah, and Brock Lesnar is an expert at teasing in the matches because he always comes out and just, you know, pretends he's going to go and, and beat you up and just always ends up backing up. So he always does things on his own time. Exactly, and it's going to be interesting to see how long he is Mr. Money in the Bank for. 
Okay, moving on to Sami Zayn versus Braun Strowman, which was officially the very first match of the night. I mean, it was pretty much, what, like, under five minutes, if you want to say. Sami Zayn starts running away, and it's not like Braun Strowman to just let him run away. So what does he do? He chases after him throughout the arena, and then he beat him up. But keep in mind, Sami Zayn was not 100% just due to injury, because last night... He was assaulted backstage and wasn't able to compete. And we still don't know who attacked him backstage. For all we know, it could have been Brock Lesnar. It could have been Braun Strowman. It could have even been Bray Wyatt. We don't know who attacked him. But keep in mind, like Armando said, he was not 100%. And that's something Braun Strowman took advantage of, and he used it to the best of his abilities. But even if you're at 100%, let's be realistic. When you face the monster among men, Braun Strowman, you know, you have a really, really low chance of winning the match yeah that's pretty much true he is 100% right on that okay moving on to Lars Sullivan who's pretty much getting interviewed by Charlie and she asked him what are your goals in the WWE and the Lucha House Party see who calls them to do these type of things this is why they keep getting beat up they interrupt and what do they do they try to take out Lars Sullivan and at some point they were succeeding they were succeeding for sure a hundred percent but then Lars Sullivan turns it all around and it all goes down here for downhill from there for the Lucha House Party. Yeah, Lucha House Party, I would have just let Lars Sullivan talk and not get not get involved because then what happens is you're getting pretty much beat down. See, I would mind my business when it comes to somebody like Braun Strowman, somebody like Lars Sullivan, I'm minding my own business. I'm not gonna go and worry about what they're doing. I do not want to get beat up and that's something the Lucha House Party was looking for. They were looking to get beat up and they definitely did. Okay, moving on to Ricochet versus Cesaro. This is probably one of the greatest matches I've seen. Super, super entertaining. Super impressed with Cesaro though. We know what he can do and we've seen him over the last, what, two, three years as a tag team with Cesaro and now individually I feel like he's doing a lot better incredible power and speed by Cesaro personally I like Cesaro more in singles competition when he's in singles competition he has more to offer than being with the tag team partner and this match is a perfect example I mean we saw his athleticism against Ricochet and he was able to take down Ricochet from his game from his high flying game but keep in mind Ricochet was pretty much hurting from his back after a brutal match yesterday at Money in the Bank where he was put through pretty much a ladder. And he was not 100%. We know that for a fact, as you just said. But Cesaro, veteran move, kept targeting his back. And he was like, if I target his back, that gives me an advantage. And at the end of the day, that's what you want. You want to be able to have an advantage over your opponent. And that is what Cesaro focused on, the back of Ricochet. And not only that, he was able to match somebody like Ricochet. Yeah, and not only that, but Ricochet also fell for the veteran move of Cesaro. Cesaro knew that Ricochet wasn't going to be 100%, so what does he do? He goes out and challenges him and tells him, hey, you know, you don't got what it takes, this and that, you know, and sure enough, Ricochet falls for it, and Cesaro ends up defeating him in, in the match. He picked the fight with him, and at the end of the day, hey, he knew. He was a veteran, like you said. Worked out perfectly for Cesaro. I want to see more of him, though. I want to see what's next for him. And even though Ricochet had an injured back or sore, whatever you want to call it, he was still able to pull off a lot of his high-flying moves in this match tonight. 
Yeah, and I feel like that's something Cesaro wasn't ready for. I feel like he thought it was going to be super easy to take down Ricochet. But Ricochet did give him a fight. And you have to give him credit where credit is due. He definitely did his part. Okay, moving on to Roman Reigns. He comes out. He is not even given the opportunity to breathe because the best in the world, Shane McMahon, decides to come out. And he starts to say, well, I'm the best in the world. He always has to make it. A, a priority in... A statement, letting everybody know. Yes, he has to make it a priority that he is the best in the world. Has to let everybody know. And he said, I proved it last night. And he definitely did. I mean, you have to give it to him. He was facing probably one of the best competitors that WWE has right now. Or that has improved over the last decade. And he said he was done with Miz. But... He said he's not done with Roman Reigns, and Elias isn't done with Roman Reigns, and he's now ready to go up against Roman. And this is when Roman issues a challenge, and he's like, okay, well then come fight me right now. And Shane is like, no, I will fight you, just not now. He's going to fight him at the Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, so he, we'll see what happens. Excited for this match, um, especially for Roman. 100%. I'm I'm excited to see what Roman Reigns is going to bring, especially against a competitor like Shane McMahon. We've seen what Shane can do. Absolutely incredible. Always steals a show, and like I said on last night's episode, it doesn't matter who you put Shane up against, he's going to deliver, especially if you put him up against somebody as talented and as high caliber as Roman Reigns. And the advantage that Roman has in this match going into Super Showdown is that the Miz pretty much still has a bone pick. Yes, 100%. So that it could be an advantage. We could possibly see an interference from the Miz. But we also did get to see Shane bring out McIntyre. And McIntyre was standing right next to him for the majority of the segment. So therefore, that lets you know if Miz does interfere, he's going to have to take out Drew McIntyre. And we know how that goes. We know how hard that is. And that's a great insurance policy for... Shane McMahon, keep in mind, in SmackDown, he has Elias. And now we can say that in Raw, he's got McIntyre. Definitely. 100%. Alright, the Usos versus the Revival. I feel like the Raw Tag Team Division is really starting to shape up, especially with these two thing, with these two teams. I feel like the Revival finally proved themselves as the top, the top guys. Because over the last, what, year, over the last couple of months, they've been saying we are top guys. But they never really had that match that was really going to qualify them as top guys up until now, in yeah. my opinion. And the Usos are a great tag team to work with for the Revival. And what better than to prove themselves against the Usos. And they were able to come up with a huge victory. They pulled, pretty much pulled a fast one on them. They definitely did. But I also feel like there's been a lot of anger built up from the revival over the last couple of weeks. We've seen the Usos humiliate them week after week after week, and now they finally got the revenge that they deserved. The difference between this revival from the other ones is that they were more focused. They were not going to let the Usos get in their head, and I think that was crucial. And like I said, they pulled a fast one, able to steal one. And I feel like the Usos definitely underestimated the revival. They've faced them before. They've obviously done their homework. They're one of the greatest tag teams we've seen in the WWE over the last couple of years and I think they underestimated the revival and the revival this time they came ready they came prepared for the Usos and hey the Usos were not ready for them but even then with their experience and them being tag team for so long they were able they weren't able to defeat 
the revival. They came up short, unfortunately. Okay, moving on to one of my favorite segments of the entire night, Alexa mm-hmm. Nikki. So I guess you can call Nikki the co-host of A Moment of Bliss now because she's just kind of there. She's following Alexa around, which I'm totally cool with because it gives Nikki the exposure she deserves. And the special guest for A Moment of Bliss was going to be none other than the man herself, Becky One Belt now, Becky Lynch. And Alexa goes on to tell her, well, I understand last night was difficult for you because you're no longer Becky Two Belts. And this is when Becky starts to say, well, you know what? I still retained one championship. And to make this whole thing pretty much short, the Iconics come out and they start to mock Becky. This is where she gets the nickname Becky One Belt because the Iconics start to say, well, we still have two belts. There's two of them. They're the tag champions, you know. And Becky wanting a fight. She's like, if you guys keep running your mouth, why don't you come down to the ring and maybe I'll be Becky three belts. Exactly. And then Lacey Evans comes out and Lacey Evans says, like, let's be real. The only reason why you even lost the SmackDown Women's Championship is because I helped Charlotte beat you. And she's right. If it wasn't for Lacey Evans, maybe Charlotte would have been 5-0. and Even though I doubt it. Because... Given the fact that she's Charlotte Flair, I don't think she would have been five enough. Regardless. No, and regardless, like you said, I think still Bailey would have cashed in that night. She would have found the perfect opportunity to interfere in that match. Exactly. And so therefore, since Becky issues a challenge, she's like, Okay, why don't we just have the iconics and Lacey Evans versus myself and, and Nikki? And then they're like, Well, you're still one person short and she's like, Well, Alexa will join our team and Alexa's like no I won't I never agreed to any of this and Becky's like well you know what you just gotta stand there and look pretty and let the man handle the rest so that's what Alexa does and as a brilliant as she is she goes she takes her coffee with her and she's just standing at ringside minding her own business she doesn't even care okay Becky Nikki and Alexa versus the Iconics and Lacey Evans I'm glad Peyton Royce and Billy Kay are back on TV yeah, I want to see more of them. They really haven't had a chance to defend their titles. I think maybe only like once, if anything, or twice that they showed up. But I want to see more of them. And then Nikki Cross, she's finally getting the exposure. I think she's one of the future talents of the women's division. It's just what I've seen so far of her has just been impressive. Definitely. I feel like partnering her with Alexa is brilliant because Alexa can really carry her and really mold her into the superstar she's meant to be. And I think that's just brilliant, and I hope they continue to keep them together at least for a couple more weeks to see where this goes, and then we'll go from there. Lacey Evans, man, we've already compared her so many times to Charlotte Flair. There's nothing we can say about her other than keep a very close eye on her because she is a very, very dangerous woman. Yeah, I understand why she didn't win because it was too soon for her to beat Becky, but down the road she's going to be... A future women's champion and they'll be surprised if she's up there with Charlotte and Alexa well we don't really know what the case with her is but we do know she wasn't cleared to compete at money in the bank we don't know why but she also didn't participate in this match I guess it was for her safety which is fine just hope she recovers pretty soon and hope we'll be able to see her in the ring soon and Becky not much to say about her she- no and going back to Alexa, I like the way that they're using her right now, being kind of like a little manager, a mentor towards Nikki. It's a great way to keep Alexa on TV and same thing with Nikki. 
cross. A hundred percent. And Becky Lynch, moving on to Becky Lynch, there's nothing much you can really say about her other than she's a champ. She's improved tremendously, and I think she's lived up to the name The Man. I think her staying on Raw now would uh, elevate her career more. It could show her that she is capable of running an entire division. And, see, my goal is to be as brilliant as Alexa because she won the match and she didn't even do anything. See, that is brilliant. That's smart. That's why you're always team Alexa because she didn't do anything and she still won. So that's that's what I want. Okay. Something that has been anticipated over the last 24 hours, Mick Foley was going to come out and make an announcement. There's a new WWE championship that will be pretty much inaugurated on Monday Night Raw and to keep it very short the 24-7 title is back and pretty much anyone can win it at any given time anytime anywhere as long as there's a ref present and I think this is a brilliant idea because now you get the opportunity to showcase everybody at any given moment like right now if I wanted to I could probably pin out Roselli as long as I had a referee and I could be the champion Hey! You know, but it's a great great way to showcase all your talent. Definitely. Um, this is, as he said, this is the way you're going to get everybody on TV. You're going to have everybody being used. And already in the last, what, hour, because I believe he came in mm-hmm. the last hour, you got to see everybody come out. We get to saw four champions. No, was it, I think it was four champions within an hour. I wasn't keeping track. I was too focused. And being entertained on what was going on to even keep track. But you got to give it to our truth because that man just stole it. That man's a genius. He outsmarted Robert Roode. Yes. Which, if you guys don't know yet, he changed his name. From Bobby Roode to Robert Roode. I still don't understand why, but it just ended up happening. This is going to be very, very interesting. Now, do the women also get to take part in this? I say, why not? Let them go for it as well, you know. However, transitioning it from woman to men is going to be a little difficult. But even then, I still want to see it go with the women. I feel like they can do so much with it. And same thing with the men. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes, where it plays out in the next couple of weeks. And correction, it was actually three champions. It was Titus O'Neil, And then Robert Roode took advantage and pinned Titus O'Neil, And then R-Truth being R-Truth stole it from pretty much. Yes. Robert Roode. A hundred percent. Okay, moving on to The Miz versus Drew McIntyre. The Miz. Very, very brutal. Yeah. Different Miz. I, we want to see more of this Miz. I like this Miz. I feel he's more more focused and more aggressive and it's benefiting his career. It's just improving him and he's willing to do whatever it takes to win that. But I also feel like the feud with Shane is really what set this off. Because before that, yes, the miss was improving. Yes, the miss was great. But now I truly believe he's at the peak of his career. I think this is the best the miss is ever going to get. And I'm taking full advantage of that because I get to see the quality matches and all the improvements he's made throughout the year. Yeah, and improvements he's pretty much worked on his arsenal. He's come up with new moves throughout the match. We see it each and every single week. Yep, he gets extremely creative and, well, McIntyre, what can you really say about him? The dude is a full package. He's got everything from the mic skills to the in-ring skills, absolutely everything. He's aggressive, he's focused, and he knows where he wants to be. And I think WWE has done a great job on taking him slowly, not rushing him into a title picture yet. Yes. The right time will come for him. 
Exactly, and I feel both these men were not 100%. Simply because look at the type of matches they both had. One was in the Money in the Bank match, and the other one was in a Steel Cage match. Both two brutal matches, both took insane physical punishment, yet they were still here, and they still gave one of the best matches of the night. Okay, Seth Rollins and Kofi Kingston versus Bobby Lashley and Baron Corbin. Last minute, we found out this was a no disqualification, which ended up benefiting Bobby Lashley and Baron Corbin. And this has something to do with Paul Heyman for it being a no disqualification match. I mean, I, mean, I can see don't that. Don't be surprised if Paul Heyman stuck his nose in there. Here's my thing. Yes, I agree with your perspective on it being something to do with Paul Heyman, but at the same time, Brock Lesnar doesn't even need that advantage. He can simply go into the match and just start taking Seth Rollins or Kofi Kingston out, and at the end of the day, he's still going to come out victorious. So whether or not Paul Heyman was part of this or not, I just feel like that's not something Brock Lesnar needs. No, he doesn't need it, but I guess I'm just throwing it out there. It was definitely an advantage for Bobby Lashley and Baron Corbin, though, simply because this is how they got to prove themselves. They're a great team. They work extremely well together. And Baron Corbin really showcased what he's capable of. Every single time I see him, I realize how dangerous of a competitor he is. He could potentially be even more dangerous than Randy Orton. And I only say that because I remember Randy in the early stages of his career. At first, nobody liked him. And then now, everybody is like behind him. And I feel like that's kind of Baron Corbin. He kind of has the same attitude as him. You know, cocky, thinking he's better than everybody. Hey, and that's taking Baron Corbin places right now exactly exactly and i feel like he definitely reminds me of a younger version of randy orton and he's gonna be big within the next couple of years especially because he's surrounding himself with great people with mcintyre with bobby lashley i mean he's picking up all of this knowledge from them exactly and bobby lashley we obviously haven't seen his hype man Leo Rush, but I feel like he's still doing great. You know, he partnered himself with somebody like Baron Corbin, who we know already has the assets of a brain. Absolutely incredible. Bobby Lashley has gone from somebody I didn't care about in the beginning to somebody that now I want to see compete week after week after week because he's so brutal, he's so good in the ring, and he's so determined and knows where he's going. And Kofi Kingston, I mean... I'm not, I want to say I'm not surprised he won at Money in the Bank, but I also want to say I am because I want to see him have a long title reign, but at the same time, I I can see him losing it at any second. Yeah, and I feel that Kofi, Kofi is so caught up in the hype that he's willing to take on any challenger without thinking of the consequences. Yes. And I think that at the end of the day, that's what's going to end up costing him and his an ex- title. Yes, an example of that is earlier in the day when Ross started, when he's like, well, Brock, I'll challenge you to a match. It's like, why would you just challenge Brock Lesnar out of the blue for no apparent reason? That alone is telling you, do you want to lose your championship? Because remember, Brock can cash in on anyone at any given time on any brand because of the wild card rule. And then after the match, sure enough, who decides to show up? Brock Lesnar. Yes. He's teasing. Uh, he comes out and he's pretty much teasing them on whether he's going to cash in or not. He even decides to get into the ring. And Seth Rollins, very smart, immediately goes out and grabs a steel chair 
for protection. And Kofi Kingston does it, and that's one of the things that we were talking about right now. That Kofi Kingston might get caught up in the moment and be like, yeah, come on, let's go without thinking the consequences. And then yeah, he grabbed the steel chair and was like, was ready, like, not tonight, buddy. Yep, he was definitely prepared for Brock Lesnar, and Brock decided, you know what? Tonight is not the night that I am going to be cashing in. But keep in mind something very, very interesting that Paul Heyman said. Paul Heyman said, let's come back next week and let them know who you're going to be cashing in on. What? So what does that mean? We're going to be at the edge of our seats trying to figure out who Brock Lesnar is going to pick. And knowing Brock Lesnar, he's not going to pick nobody. But yet again, we might be wrong. But see, here's the thing. Here's my personal opinion. If I was Brock Lesnar, I'm not cashing in on Seth Rollins because I know he's ready. I know he's prepared for me, and I know what he's capable of in the ring. He already beat me once, and yes, I know I'm mad because he beat me once. But you know what? I'm going to go with somebody like Kofi Kingston who's not as experienced, who's willing to go up on a fight to prove why he deserved the WWE Championship. That's who I would go up against. But, hey, he does have the brains of... Paul Heyman. So it's going to be interesting to find out next week whether it be on Raw or SmackDown. See, they didn't say. Now you're going to have to sit through Raw, and if he doesn't come up, you're going to have to sit through SmackDown as well. And if anything, he might show up tomorrow like in SmackDown just again to tease Kofi. I mean, who knows? That's the advantage of having the wild card and being the money in the bank winner. Yes, he is definitely going to get inside of their heads, and he already has, and at the end of the day, that's the biggest objective. So, that's all we, we have for you guys tonight on this episode yes so remember to like comment share and subscribe become a sibling today let us know in the comments below what you guys think of Brock Lesnar being the money in the bank winner and we'll see you guys on a new episode of wrestling with siblings but before that for those of you that do not know what WWS stands for Armando what does WWS stand for wrestling with siblings thank you guys so much and